0: The month of January is coming to a close on this first full official month of Marking Out the Days. The last stop on the Magic School Bus of Professional Wrestling hits January 31st. That's right, this week here on Marking Out the Days. Get your Sharpie out, cross the 31st off the calendar, and join myself and
1: from RetroMania
0: for another edition of Marking Out the Days the greatest p- retro pro wrestling podcast collaboration since, uh, I don't know when But it's the greatest currently right now With Retromania and Kicking Out of Two I am one it's half Stone
1: Cold and Vince McMahon
0: That's right, yeah, since the infamous handshake From uh, from Wrestlemania 17 when, when Austin and McMahon aligned finally uh, <laughs> um, I, I am Dave Rosenbluth One half of the other retro-sexuals here And I'm excited for uh, Another edition of Marking Out the Days As we're going to be covering some interesting topics That took place in the world of professional wrestling This week, some stuff that uh, i would have to say at least one of these topics is very revolutionary and groundbreaking for that time period in 1998 and we'll get into that shortly but uh what's going on with you man how you doing Kobe?
1: i'm good man and uh i, I was referring to um we're the biggest podcast collaboration since vince mcmahon being on the stone cold podcast
0: oh okay all yeah. right all right i got you that, yeah I mean, that was yeah, a good yeah. episode i will say yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it, it, everything's good, man. I'm just, I've been enjoying watching some wrestling, getting um, pumped over the TakeOver Phoenix card that was last night and now today. Spoiler alert, we're recording this early. Not yep. actually January 31st, but this episode is based on January 31st. But today is Royal Rumble Day. Happy Royal Rumble Day to you, Dave.
0: Thank you very much Happy Royal Rumble Day to you As I'm currently um, While I'm recording this with you I have WWE Network on And I'm watching uh, The 2008 Royal Rumble match From Madison Square Garden The the night that John Cena Made the surprise entry At number 30 to win it all Um, Probably one of my favorite rumbles I'd have to say It's probably a top 10 for me Okay Um, but yeah, um, you know, like you said, spoiler alert: we're recording this early because you know we both have real lives and schedules. So, uh, you know, but we're going to be discussing <laughs> yeah. January thirty first in wrestling history. Um, and uh, tell me what's going on in your neck of the woods of retro mania and uh, Hulkamania is dead.
1: Yeah, we're kind of like we're kind of like NXT and ROH where we 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 do our shows early and then we release them to you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> This is actually a busy week for me. Um, a lot of New Japan stuff coming back and Ring of Honor cards. Ring of Honor G1 Road to Supercard has their tag league. And then New Japan will be having the Road to New Beginning this week. Okay. Um, I'll be having some coverage there as well as a special um, Retro Mania retrospective look back uh, like like we do on this station here, Retromania, everything is retrospective, Um, even like the newer stuff is a retrospective look at it, so I mean, of course I do have predictions sometimes but um, I'm going to have a special episode of Gaijin Wrestling Radio, January 31st referencing a very special um, highlighted match for New Japan World um, that's actually available on there Uh, it's Jushin Thunder Liger against um, I'm sorry It's Jushin Thunder Liger against Naoki Sano. Um, This is a great junior heavyweight match from 1990, uh, January 31st. So that episode will be dropping today as well, Special Gaijin Wrestling Radio, as well as we have Hulkamania's Dead, Episode 13. We just ran down the 1991 Royal Rumble, and we're feeling all the Royal Rumble fun. What's going on over at Kicking It? out at 2, Dave.
0: Well, you you certainly know a lot of what's going on at Kicking Out at 2 this week because you joined me for your Kicking Out at 2 <laughs> debut. Spoiler alert. We recorded yep. that earlier today as well. That drops on January the 30th over at SoundCloud.com uh, where Kobe, you and I, we covered the 1996 January 1st, 1996 edition of Monday Night Raw and the infamous first and only time in WWE history that we saw the Raw Bowl, which was was a very Super Bowl inspired theme, uh, football themed, I should say. Episode mm-hmm. of Monday Night Raw. Uh, you had uh, you know guys dressed up in the football jerseys, and the the ring canvas was green with the lines painted. The referee Earl Hebner looked like an NFL referee. He probably had the same skill levels as an NFL referee, according to most <laughs> fan standards these days. Um, just kind of brought the football theme to kicking out at two in anticipation for um, the Super Bowl, which is upcoming this weekend with. Uh, uh, the, the Patriots and the Rams So I thought it would be uh, a, a lot of fun To take a look back when pro wrestling And the gridiron Went head to head in the squared circle uh, We talked a yeah. little bit about um, Some uh, moments of uh, you know Football players involved in wrestling history The good and the bad, some of our favorites And also discussed some of the guys In today's world in football or Current players as well as uh, Some retired players That could have a fair shot at at being a uh, marketable figure in the world of professional wrestling. So it was definitely a lot of fun and spoiler
1: uh, alert we had fun.
0: Yes, we did have fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, that's a that's a very good spoiler alert. And uh, right. this is not a spoiler alert as next week on kicking out at 2, February the 6th, we're we're, we're on kicking out at 2, we're doing, you know, WrestleMania themed shows to get you ready for WrestleMania season. Um, and you know, Royal Rumble starts it and we're going to continue on that path with um, you know, WrestleMania game changers set to drop next Wednesday over at soundcloud.com as uh, we're going to discuss some storyline that the altered the 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 card for that year's Wrestlemania drastically. Uh, cosmic shifts in Wrestlemania uh, events, if you will, because of certain storylines, whether these uh, happenings took place behind the scenes or in front of the camera. We're going to cover some of the, the, the most memorable storylines in Wrestlemania season that, that uh, brought a cosmic shift to the, the Wrestlemania card in that particular year. So a be in, detour be on, a look on the road. The, exactly, exactly. Great, great call there. I, I was trying to find a, a word without using cosmic shift more than once, and I've, been, I've hit it three times now. So I, I think I'm good with it today. Unless Thanks, I keep Vince. going, unless, yeah, exactly. Unless I keep going with it. If I keep going with it, then we're it gonna have to get. Thing. A, yeah, we're gonna. It might be my gimmick. For yeah, sure. it might be my gimmick. Yeah. Dave Cosmic Shift Rosenbluth Right here on Marking Out the Days But um, yeah, that's what's going on over with me You can find you can find Kicking Out at Two Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two You can hit the like button, you'll be doing me a great favor uh, Making me feel special That you're just one more person that likes my podcast So do that over at Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two uh, You can find links to archive shows And all kinds of great discussions And debates with all of the Entire Kicking Out at Two crew that, that has hit that like button and Followed me as well as well as Twitter. You can find us on Twitter too. I the following is not as strong, but I have fun by myself on Twitter. Kind of kind of reminds me of how you know my dating life in high school. I had a lot of fun by myself uh, when I when I was younger. So um, this time I get to do 140 characters or less. So if you want to give us a follow and help me not have fun by myself but with you, then by all means, our handle is at kicking out two k i c k n o u t and the number two and that about does it for me on that front Kobe, yeah. l- l- let's get into it man
1: yeah um, let's do it uh, today marking out the day January 31st let's run down some birthdays
0: by all means let's do it
1: alright the first one 1958 fit Finlay.
0: my name is Finley and I love to fight
1: that's right <coughs> Hugs Hornswoggle may or may not be my son
0: I used to love that music. I thought it was pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah.
1: Really good. With the little
0: shillelagh. Like yes. And they're always after me lucky charms.
1: I liked him in WCW a lot, too. Um, I would. He was always a go-to person that I would play in the video games. Um, and he was relevant with the TV title a lot. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on Fit Fit Me?
0: I, I, I enjoyed him in WCW. The TV title stuff he did with Booker T and Benoit. Um, that, that brutal... Um, parking lot brawl he had with with steven regal i don't know if it was on a nitro or a pay-per-view but like they shoved each other's head through car door windows and it was Mm -hmm. pretty it was pretty wild but i didn't really appreciate him till they they uh they brought him to the main roster in 2006 i mean he was working behind the scenes for wwe at the time and they decided to make him a character on tv and Man, I loved Finley. I loved watching him hook it up and mix it up. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got, I got the cha- I got the chance to meet him uh, mm-hmm. WrestleMania weekend in 2007 in Detroit. Uh, I was a I was a guest of uh, the Hurricane Shane Helms at at the uh, the WWE hotel, and uh, he was, wow. he was he was quiet and reserved, but he was pretty nice. And um, he was sporting a, a nice big scar right over his eyebrow because he was part of that Money in the Bank ladder match um that was the so uh you know caught a, caught a fresh glimpse of uh you know so, so the the souvenir that he he had gotten from that ladder match um but yeah i mean he, he i i enjoyed everything he did in wwe i did not really care for the whole you know horn swoggles, my son and mm-hmm. i didn't understand the storyline as to why they they tried to dupe the mcmahons and then it never really came about um as to why that happened, and he had the blow-off with JBL at that WrestleMania in 2008. I was at that at that WrestleMania, and uh, it was a fun little match, but I was like, it just, I don't know. It, it, it didn't, I didn't get the story, and the payoff just was eh, and there wasn't yeah. really anything good about it, but like his stuff with Benoit, his stuff with Booker T, Batista, mm-hmm. um, you know. Not with the stuff
1: with Nobbs
0: you know what I didn't get i I caught glimpses of that in, in wCW at the time. I thought it was interesting that he was like you know he had kind of he was kind of like under a mentor role with knobs yeah. like in that hardcore thing I thought that stuff was interesting um unfortunately, a leg injury uh that he suffered in one of those hardcore matches um you know halted his career for a brief mm-hmm. period of time after that and he wasn't in the, he wasn't an in-ring performer after that um until you know the the 2006 when WWE decided to bring him back but um I I didn't mind it I didn't get to see enough of it but um it was it was something it wasn't bad it wasn't bad stuff I I mean that's I just, really all I can comment on
1: it just makes me think of the backstage assault time of uh, WCW, where everything was hardcore and they had their own hardcore title, and Hack came in that was Sandman. It was just, uh, it was hokey for me at the time. You remember
0: the junkyard match that they had at the Bash at the Beach in 1999? when they yes. were, like, they had, yes, like, 80, burning, lucha, 80 yeah. luchadors <laughs> in yeah. the middle of the junkyard with, like, you know, Hack and, and Finley yeah. and knobs and, a, you know, a bunch of misfits of guys that did, weren't doing anything on TV in WCW. That Just
1: was, a crazy all-out. You could play that level in the backstage assault WCW game. Oh, that, that video game, terrible.
0: yeah, where there was yeah. no wrestling ring. It was every fight took place, like, in a, in a different, you know, Locker part room. of the arena. Somewhere else, yeah. You know, the junkyard or the... Yeah, the parking lot at the car dealership. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah. Uh moving on another um person that was involved at that time, 1963,
0: Brian Adams. Brian Adams, Kona shakabra. Um, yeah, or uh, um uh Chronic. Oh, yes, Chronic. Yeah, I remember Chronic. Uh, him and uh, Brian Clark um Yep. Crush. I uh, I thought it was an interesting part adding him into Demolition um, and that third man. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that was the first time I had really been exposed to like a three-man team, uh, at least in WWF at that time. And so um, that was cool. And then uh, when Crush became um, a babyface and it looked like his ring gear was sponsored by Fanta Soda, um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting uh, with the double doinks at WrestleMania. Yeah in 93, and then when he turned bad and joined Mr. Fuji, and they made Crush uh, look like a a, a foreigner, or made him sound like a foreigner, even though Hawaii was a part of the United States of America, Um, that wasn't bad stuff either, the stuff he did with Randy Savage was cool, Um, I could have done without him being in the NWO, it didn't do anything for me, but um, the Chronic stuff was kind of cool, with him and uh, Brian Clark, and they were... They were like a poor man's version of the APA, but you know, uh, they were breaking necks and cashing checks, and I thought it wasn't—I thought it wasn't bad stuff. But um, they were a
1: stoners version of APA. They weren't alcoholics; they were stoners.
0: That's right. That's right. The whole chronic. <laughs> yeah, I guess with the, the the two yeah. Ks. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, unfortunate that he's no longer with us. Um, I thought he was uh, a a solid, you know, uh, big man in mm-hmm. wrestling. Do you remember? Now, here's another thing. Do you remember in? and we kind of talked about this on the Raw Bowl episode in terms of your your memory with wrestling but um do you remember when he returned to WWF in 1996 and oh, yeah. they had the storyline where he was like locked up in prison like he like and they he did had the
1: dreadlocks the, and yeah, or the, plaids really and then he had that tattoo on his uh, forehead
0: Yeah and they gave him like the con- they gave him like the nails gimmick like he was the convict I was very and, in
1: tune at this time this is when I was like WrestleMania 12 after that I was all in on wrestling so everything after I consumed so uh, yeah for I some saw reason him I was in.
0: intrigued by him as like yes. the convict and right? I thought like oh wow like this is cool like I just I don't know I had like a a, a a strong interest in him at the time by himself like and I thought like oh like he'd be good with like a manager and then they put him in the Nation right. of Domination and I was like well isn't the Nation of Domination all about like you know african-american people yeah but he was in jail you know suppressed uh, you know
1: that wouldn't be racist to relate black people to jail and stuff you know yeah
0: but but, um yeah uh so yeah that's that's why that's where i stood with crush
1: yeah did you know that later in his life he was kind of like macho man randy savage's personal like assistant
0: i remember hearing um i remember hearing some stories that he that that um I believe he was trying to start a pro boxing career and Savage was like a sponsor to him and helped him like financially, like, you know, with the training and um, like trying to, you know, get him the right resources to to go forward with it. And then I remember hearing that he was kind of like a like an assistant bodyguard to like Savage um, when Savage was uh, briefly working in the early days of TNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they when they when he had that little run, um, when they started doing regular pay per views uh, in the Impact Zone, um, right? He was uh, he wasn't on TV, but he was a part of Savage's like little like you know I guess he was like like to what Jimmy Hart is to Hulk Hogan nowadays. But yeah, I do remember hearing stuff about that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know that until um, the last year or so, mm-hmm. um, learning more and listening to more behind the scenes wrestling podcast stuff and shoot interviews um moving on with the day happy birthday to brian adams and fit finley 1966 jorge gonzalez otherwise known as elegante
0: or the giant gonzalez um yeah i mean i thought i mean he was obviously wcw's version of andre the giant they were trying to market him as that um Mm -hmm. i believe he i believe he was um he was he was uh, he tried out to be a basketball player for the Atlanta Hawks because he played basketball in Argentina and the Hawks were looking to like, you know, get this guy on their squad. And for whatever yep. reason, he didn't work out. And I believe it was Jim Hurd who was who was like running WCW at the time and. Um, saw him and thought well you know we can make him into a wrestler and they wanted to make him like their version of Andre the Giant and I thought he was pretty as a kid he was very impressive looking
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, in terms of his size Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know in ring it didn't you know really do much for me and then we talked about it on last week's episode during the 1993 Royal Rumble when i had my friends over and they saw this big guy with the the hairy man suit and he attacked the undertaker and they're like who's that guy and i was like that's Gante. and they were like who and i was like Gante, he was in WCW now he's a bad guy and um, they didn't they didn't uh they didn't uh, announce who he was at the Rumble. They didn't even know his name at the time. But right. you know, in front of all my friends, I'm like, that's Eligante. Oh, my goodness. Eligante cost The Undertaker the, ma- the Royal Rumble match. And so, anyhow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, poor guy is best remembered for that god-awful uh, airbrushed uh, uh, man suit and the, mm-hmm. the horrible match that he had with Undertaker. But um, yeah, I'll have to send you the picture. You could probably put it up on the Retromania Facebook page. but um, Definitely. Apparently, um, before Hogan left in 93, after he had dropped the title to Yoko, he worked some European dates um, as like part of the, his final obligations to the company, and he worked a few main event matches with Giant Gonzalez. Yep, I have, I have, a, I have a picture of it um I'll, i have a picture of it on my phone i'll have to send it to you You can put it up on the the Retromania facebook he, page this week but yeah hogan I,
1: worked a couple matches with him and then they they kind of became friends and he was on th- an episode of thunder in paradise i believe he was in too. the pilot
0: movie yeah as a matter of fact yeah he was like one of the bad guys like the like the henchman of like one of the bad guys in the movie and yeah. as a
1: kid i was like oh he was intimidating even though even though the WrestleMania nine stuff was hokey, like I remember that and thinking like Jesus, this dude is like nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they they got me, you know. Yeah, uh, just and like now when I got the network, I was able to see his run in WCW, and I uh, vaguely remember like seeing his face as a child on like the videotape cassettes and stuff, um, but I didn't know that they had really tried to push him as big as 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 much as they did um looking back on it now they were really trying to push this guy over he was a big he was a big um part of one of those um war games matches correct
0: um he he wasn't in the match but it was the um it was the 1990 war games where it was the four horsemen rick flair barry windham Sid Vicious and Larry Zabisco, who was filling in for an injured Arn Anderson. He was a horseman for a night against the team of Sting, uh, Flying Brian Pillman, and the Steiner Brothers. And uh, uh, Elegante comes in at the end after Sid destroys Pillman and drops him on his neck and his shoulder oh yeah resulting yeah. in the finish where the Horseman won that war games Eligante runs out makes the save and then tends to Brian Pillman and carries him um, back from the from the, uh, the the double ring cage but that was like his yeah. only part in the match
1: yeah but they you know they they tried to push him as a big superstar and it kind of fell kind of fell flat
0: oh yeah absolutely yeah it just wasn't uh, it, it he needed more time, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, could be our shart of the week. Unfortunately, we'll yeah, <laughs>
0: we are shorting out the days here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, happy birthday to Elegante. Any any more thoughts on him, or you want to move? No, on?
0: I mean that's that's as best as I can remember. Um, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Another individual. It seems like we have a trend of shitting on dead people. Sorry, sharding on dead people. I mean, yeah. we're, we're going to try and make a better effort of not being so negative about the people that have passed. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, before.
1: and just like, a, I don't know. I was thinking about it after we recorded the episode earlier. We did the the Raw Bowl, and we were talking about an Owen Hart spot and listening back to the audio just by itself. I, I was like, oh, no, Owen has a long way to go. And you said, if there's anyone who can do it, it's Owen.
0: Oh, God, you Jesus know what? I didn't goodness. even think. Damn, that's a good pickup because I didn't even think of that. Oh, man. That's yeah.
1: you know that's that's a kicking out of two everybody.
0: Yeah, that's that's all around kicking out of two. Yeah, <laughs> listen listen to that. Yeah, listen to that debauchery that 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 you know. I, I displayed over on Kicking Out. Oh, my goodness. You'll have to go back and watch it. The Raw Bowl watch along from January 1st, 1996. And uh, Owen goes up to the top rope, and he's about to deliver a, a, a splash. And Kobe says, that's a long way to go for him. And I said, well, if anyone could do it, it's Owen. And not realizing in the manner that he passed away up until this point now. So, once again, you can call oh, me man. asshole of the week
1: <laughs> here on
0: Marking Out the Days. Um, oh, man. That's uh, – that's some brutal stuff right there. I, all right, yeah. let's move on before I continue to really overthink this.
1: Okay, another person we will try not to shit on that has died on this day, nineteen ninety nine, January thirty first. Giant Baba.
0: Giant Baba. Now I don't. know you're more of a Japanese wrestling aficionado than mm-hmm. I am, so um, you'll have to you'll you'll kind of have to take the wheel here on this one. But he was the promoter for All Japan. Yes. Okay, and they were rivals with Inoki and New Japan,
1: correct? Mm-hmm.
0: They were yep. like they were like the WWF and the WCW of Japan in a, in
1: a way. Yeah, okay. He's a so. co founder of All Japan. Okay, um, and these guys are. He's working with the son of Ricky Dozan, who like, Ricky Dozan is the god of Japanese wrestling, and he trained a lot of people and housed a lot of careers, and everybody kind of, you know, it's it's Baba and Inoki that were the top guys from ricky dozan and then from there it's whoever they train you know and the lineage goes down so uh baba is a huge name in japanese wrestling um just you know it's baba anoki ricky dozan um and maybe um ricky joshu yeah, Giant Baba, I mean it's just a synonymous name with Japanese wrestling and anything that, you know, he he trained so many people. Um it just the lineage goes on and he was a main face himself for a long time. Um you know, teaming up with Jumbo Saruta, the likes of Andre the Giant, Dory Funk Jr. Um you know, just really cool stuff throughout the 70s and 80s and then, you know, he would show up in the 90s here and there and it was a mess. But uh, yeah, but um, he died of liver failure in 1999 at the age of 61. Um, but yeah, he was born with gigantism, this huge guy, Giant Baba. He was the Andre, the giant of Japan.
0: Yeah, and as I just saw recently um, there was a, um, I believe it was like one of Andre's last matches, like physical matches he had, um, where he tagged with mm-hmm. Baba in all mm-hmm. Japan like i th- i believe he was still under contract with the WWF but obviously vince had like a um a uh you know an understanding yeah. that you know andre wanted to go make some money cuz vince you know couldn't you
1: let me do what film, i want to so. do
0: So pretty much, yeah, he was the boss, so he let him do that. Now, you might also know this, too, and I actually have a picture of this on my phone as well, but I believe All Japan and Baba had a relationship with Vince McMahon and the WWF for a brief period of time, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did. Um, Okay. You know, New Japan and All Japan have both worked with uh, WWF and WWWF throughout the years, plenty of times.
0: Okay. Yeah, I believe there was and, and if I'm not mistaken was was all Japan. I've heard I've heard stories about this on Bruce Pritchard's podcast. I want to be sure I'm correct with this. Um now all Japan, were they the ones that had that like big um I believe like Savage and Brett wrestled in the, in, in Japan in, or was that New Japan? I believe that was New Where Japan. They
1: there was an SWA okay. card that was held it's a cross promotion between um New Japan and WWF. Um so okay. that's the that's the stuff that Jimmy and I covered on a retro episode with our buddy uh evan cronenberg from the savage stash um he came on as a guest and we reviewed the 1994 match from japan macho man randy savage going against the champion brett the hitman Hart.
0: okay all right i wasn't i wasn't sure if that was an all japan thing and then baba had any involvement that like i said i can't keep track but you're 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 better you're better at that information than i am but all right continue yeah it was
1: kind of like a three-way cross promotion but yeah that was it pretty much it giant baba um today's death day um and just the giant of japan japanese wrestling
0: rest in peace giant baba Rest in peace
1: all right you ready to um run down some cards from this year I mean, yeah from man day? yeah
0: let's yeah you, yeah you, you you drive the bus and i'll uh i'll uh i'll i'll i'll, I'll sit back Sweet. and uh and And speak when I'm spoken to. All right.
1: Well, uh, let's do the first trip on the bus here. 1972. It's a Madison Square Garden house show. Pedro Morales defeating Professor Toro Tanaka via disqualification. Classic stuff during the times of the champions always winning by count out or DQ to keep the heat on them so they can run more towns, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's textbooked uh, during that time period. I don't have a whole a ton of knowledge regarding that time period and that era of wrestling. But um, from what I do know, it seemed like Pedro wasn't the only um, top guy in the Northeast Territory that is, especially at the Garden, that had, um, you know, I wouldn't say non- finishes but you know not decisive finishes bruno had several of those too disqualification victories or count out victories the only time you really saw like from my to the best of my knowledge and you can correct me if i'm wrong but the only time you really ever saw um a decisive winner or finish if it was in like a major storyline like a huge blow off like bruno and zabisco in the cage at shea stadium or um Dusty and superstar Billy Graham at the Garden in the Texas Bulldog right. match, you know. Those are the only times you really saw decisive finishes. Um, or when the title changed when, yeah, exactly. Like if it was, if if if, if you know, if Pedro was going to keep the belt or Bruno was going to keep the belt, you maybe saw some DQ finishes or some countouts so that you could further extend um, that rivalry and help sell tickets. You know, the next month they ran the yeah. Garden North, the next town that they were going to, you know, promote. Yeah, so, and in a way, it's kind of um,
1: like that's the role of the champion has always been um, for storytelling for wrestling back in the seventies and eighties and sixties. It's the champion. Um, was kind of a heel usually, uh, but they won mm-hmm. via d q or count out like Rick flair or you know or the, or the face like like we just spoke about this can happen too mm-hmm. but uh the 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 role of them is to keep the heat going and to travel to town to town at the time
0: yeah absolutely yeah um I believe if i 'm not mistaken um i 've heard that uh you know Pedro Morales is not doing well health wise oh um in 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 recent years um but i believe he's i believe he popped up on the convention circuit a couple of years ago but he didn't look in the greatest shape and then i think i heard just about six months ago on twitter that um health-wise he's not in the best um yeah but um an individual who um i think in my opinion really started the whole um international demographic that you see even currently in today's WWE where there needs to be a superstar or a character internationally that identifies with that audience. Like WWE has always tried to tap into the Latin American market with Rey Mysterio and and Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. and they're trying to do it currently with some of their, their Latin American stars. Pedro, I think, was that first guy that really they looked at as... Um, we need to tap into the the Latin American oh, yeah. market here in the Northeast, and it was on a smaller scale back then because it was the territories. Now it's on a much broader scale, being that it's a worldwide, you know, uh, phenomenon. I guess you right. want to call
1: it uh, transcended. And um, you know, like America comes from different cultures, so I I, I yeah. always respect like having a guy embracing the culture like i mean that that's yeah. the line for vince it's like he's puerto rican and he loves his culture and as well as he should embrace his culture you yeah. know it's like <laughs> yeah i mean uh you know we could it's just you know the irish and scottish and english have all german and have all uh, banged enough to where we're just europeans
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's very similar to like how bruno was and bruno bridged that gap with the italian-american um, you know, culture, you know, it, it, to, to wrestling yeah. fans. It was, uh, it, it's It's certainly, um, it's certainly, uh, it's no different back then than it is now, but just now it's on a much more broader mm-hmm. scale.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, moving on with the day, January 31st, 1994. Let's go to WWF Monday Night Raw. You ready to do this one?
0: Yeah, man, let's do Small it.
1: Small attendance here, 1600 about and uh in Pennsylvania Bushkill Pennsylvania
0: Yeah you know you, you know they're in Bushkill Pennsylvania when you watch the show and there's a sign that says Bushkill Bushkill PA across the back <laughs> wall of the of the very small arena I don't even know if it was an arena it looked like, more like a like a convention hall that maybe sat like you know, like you said it's 1600 people and so Philly
1: is synonymous um, with bingo halls yeah. yeah yeah so uh this is what do you think of this raw overall before we run down card uh, match for match?
0: Um, it was eventful in the sense that, um, you know, back then, um, they taped, you know, nowadays, you know, mostly everything's yeah. live, but the way that they taped their schedule was, was, uh, depending on when their pay-per-views were, um, especially for Monday night raws, they, t- they had one raw live and the other three were taped. And so, um, the the go home show to the to the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble was taped and then the night after the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble, that was a taped show Jeez. as well. And they just did the voiceovers <coughs> in the studios. Um Yeah, so but the way that they structured the show was you had the voiceovers in the studios, but you just had like generic, you know. Um, superstar enhancement talent matches and maybe one match featuring two superstars, and they didn't really alter or greatly change the storylines coming off the Royal Rumble from the night before. Right. So um, it wasn't like it was, you know... And then back then, there was... If if you if you read the dirt sheets and if you got a, a hold of them, you knew that there were some spoilers. But for the most part, as me as a kid at eleven years old, I didn't know what a spoiler was, and I assumed everything right. was live when I was watching it. So um, I I wasn't aware. So this taping, um, th- this event, uh, this I believe this Raw was live. This was the thirty first of January. I believe this Raw was live, and I could be wrong. But um, this was where they settled the the. The issue between Luger and Bret who had tied the 1994 Royal Rumble match where they were going to um, do a coin toss to determine which superstar was going to get to face the champion first at WrestleMania 10 and you were going to have the title defended twice in the same night and it was kind of a it was kind of a a play off of the year prior where unexpectedly at WrestleMania 9 the WWF championship was defended and changed hands yep. twice. At WrestleMania 10 the following year, the WWE championship would they would be defending it twice, but you you wouldn't know who was going to face who depending on the results. So it was kind of like it was it was almost like they were mirroring you know WrestleMania 10 and that championship title picture to what took place on WrestleMania 9, it was almost like, oh, we got a little lightning in the bottle here with, with the unpredictability with the two championships. Why don't we just advertise that the belt's going to be defended yeah, twice? anything can happen and in the, the WWF. Kind of, yeah, exactly. That old adage, anything can happen in the WWF. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, even as a kid, when I first when I first heard that they were doing a coin toss and the title was going to be defended twice, I was like, oh, this is WrestleMania 9 all over mm-hmm. again. And this is the point where I started to feel a little bit more sympathy towards Brett, even though I wasn't a Brett guy. And I felt like, well, this has got to be the year that he gets his redemption, he gets his revenge, and he gets his belt back that he that he lost unfairly the year right. prior. So I thought the coin toss element um, kind of had a big feel to it. And, you know, we'll get into that, um, you know, as as we run down the card. But that's what I mostly remember mm-hmm. from this show. Um, and yeah, that's that's yeah. that's to me like the, the 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 standout moment from this from this episode of Raw. But let, let's run down the card.
1: Um, yeah, it was it's one of these um, enhancement talent or uh, superstar kind of showcase episode. Um, so we get a superstar versus uh, a pseudo superstar uh, in the first match. Janetti is out with one two three kid, and the kid goes on commentary. And IRS is on commentary tonight, too, with Vince McMahon. And One Two Three Kid has an injured leg. Jannetty's um, replacing him for this match. So, Jannetty gets the win here with some punches against Johnny Polo. Um, yeah.
0: Quote the Polo, <laughs> never more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jannetty um, hits IRS as Kid steals the briefcase of IRS. And he runs off, even though he has crutches and a leg brace and everything he somehow manages to get away
0: um yeah way to sell the leg injury kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: back from commercial and irs leaves to go look for his briefcase he just realized what happened as they replayed it razor Ramones music hits and he and janetti have the briefcase of irs and they're separated by officials with irs you know and janetti and Razor Ramon having the briefcase and they're talking about having gold in that briefcase. What's going on here with that story?
0: Um, I believe this is kind of like they're tying up the loose end of, uh, Razor and IRS from the Royal Mm -hmm. Rumble because they competed for the Intercontinental Championship. So this is probably just a little something that they're, that they're, that they're trying to tie up and, uh, and, and put a bow on so they can move forward with Razor and, uh, um, uh, Shawn Michaels for the, the undisputed Intercontinental Championship in that ladder match at WrestleMania 10 just a few yep. months later. So, um, I mean, this was a fun little deal, you know, and, uh, going back and watching it and remembering, um, I didn't watch this live. Uh, you know, I had a bedtime, so I didn't get to stay up late and watch all of <laughs> Monday Night Raw. So, but um, going back and watching this, I thought this was a little fun uh, interaction and the crowd seemed into it. Uh, you and I have spoken um, on Kicking Out of Two and on previous episodes of Marking Out the Days and Razor Ramon was oh, yeah. hot. He was hot in you know, just about any time period. And uh, whatever he did, the crowd reacted to. And, I mean, nobody liked IRS. Who liked, back then, a guy telling you that you are a tax cheat? Right. Nobody did. And I think that's the kind of character, I, as, as hokey as it sounds, back then in 1994, that's the kind of character I think that could survive in today's mm-hmm. wrestling. You know, like, because nobody likes to pay their taxes because everyone thinks they're getting boned out of what they're supposed to be getting for a yeah. tax return and every year. To be told you work so hard, and, yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, maybe <coughs> maybe they need to bring back an IRS. You know, or, or maybe maybe we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna book I'm not gonna book WWE currently. <laughs> but uh, yeah, overall, I just thought it was a, a fun little interaction and, like I said, something to kind of uh, you know uh, put an end. To, to, to that uh, to that storyline between Razor and IRS. Yeah, and
1: uh, we go to a commercial, and if you can hear the sirens going off, that is my neighbor's car alarm going off, but that can also play as uh, <laughs> background music for the Raw going to a commercial.
0: Uh, or Scott Steiner is going to make his way <laughs> through your living room. He's about to knock on the yeah.
1: door. <laughs> Give me the fucking mic! <laughs> Please, no. Uh, Ico Pro commercial. Big
0: pop of pump is your hookup! Holler! If you're he's hearing got me. my
1: car hooked up because he's a tow truck driver now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You got AAA? Yeah. <laughs> you got 33 and one thirds chance of getting this car back at sacrifice.
0: <laughs>
1: Jesus.
0: Maybe if you didn't let that stupid mechanic, Sloppy Joe, fix your carburetor last week, or if you didn't let Kurt Angle bar your car, you'd have 47th and 8th of a chance of having the goddamn thing running. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, I, uh, I gotta do that. Scott Steiner, whole bit. Oh shit!
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah. Put that in. That'd be awesome. Even though it's got nothing to do with January thirty okay. first. <laughs> yeah. So uh,
1: moving good. on with the show, we get uh, that commercial separating that uh, interesting little opener that we had there. I liked it as well. Like you spoke of, it was fun to watch back. Um, we get an Ico Pro commercial with Razor Ramon. It's not Bret Hart. It's Razor. Um,
0: yeah, and and he's he's working out with a toothpick in his mouth. Did you safe, notice that?
1: Not safe if i were spotting him yeah you know uh i would probably get a toothpick in my face yeah yeah Uh,
0: yeah he would he would flick it he if you were spotting him if he was bench pressing he would flick the toothpick while he's laying on his back and it would still land it would still end up hitting you in the face as perfectly as he does it when he's standing right and then land back in his mouth
1: as he continues to do reps
0: yeah, and then he'd be like, it's survey time. <laughs> 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 All
1: right, uh, back from the break and that IcoPro commercial, Jack Tunney is here talking about the co-winners having an opportunity at the WWF title like you spoke of. It will be defended twice at WrestleMania this year. It's a coin toss for the first person to get the title match and the other one having an opportunity. It'll either be Lex Luger versus Crush first or brett versus owen this is a fair equitable decision and the special referees will be assigned for each match
0: now so if luger lost the coin toss he would have to wrestle crush first and then get the title shot okay now i'm just kind of curious why they did that considering they still had crush and randy savage uh, it's, it's all part of the story oh.
1: they, they didn't want to make it seem like you know they were actually thinking about it this time
0: <laughs> yeah oh, okay interesting i think you know what? i don't remember that i don't remember them saying oh if luger loses he's got to wrestle crush first i did, I did not remember that that's funny neither that you did that i well.
1: until this episode but uh yeah so that he's talking about that we get match number two it's bam bam bigelow defeating miguel rosado Bam Bam yells, "He wants doing headbutts Rosado one two three. It's over. Nothing right at home."
0: Yep. Bam Bam Bigelow goes back to his day job as a as a uh, a carny attendant, uh, trying to steal your money so you can uh, uh, win an oversized stuffed animal. That was one of the occupations yeah. that we chose for Bam Bam Bigelow on the Royal Rumble 1994 watch along on kicking out <laughs> of too. Love
1: it.
0: He's a carny attendant with his with his flaming onesie. Nice.
1: Love it. Did, now, did you notice that him and Luna kissed here? I didn't know. Were I they did a not, thing?
0: But um, I, I, they didn't appear like they were a thing in terms of like boyfriend girlfriend on TV. They just were like just a couple of two looking, you know, freaky yeah. weirdos that you know were associated together. They 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 fit better than Luna and Shawn yeah. Michaels at WrestleMania they, Nine. They probably that's both,
1: for sure. Yeah, flew their freak flag if you will yeah okay
0: yeah but i mean it was um no i didn't realize that they kissed in this but i mean in 1994 as a kid it would have made sense you know because they both you know they both just looked like they would be together like luna and bam bam would work the carney circuit and travel with the the circus (laughs) yeah she's got the side and he's got the whole dome you know (laughs) So, uh, yeah, um, moving on. Yeah, it makes moving sense. Moving on
1: with this episode of Monday Night Raw, we go to a commercial with a nice graphic of a 3D coin spinning, having Brett's face on one side and Lex on the other. I like this.
0: Modern technology in 1994 at yes, its
1: finest. Um, back from a commercial, when we get the coin toss segment. Brett is clearly more over here than Lex with the fans. Um, Lex calls heads, and he gets to face Yokozuna. Brett has to face Owen um fate and brett wishes. oh sorry brett talks about fate and he doesn't want to face his brother oh and he wishes he didn't have to uh but he wishes lex all the best of luck in the world and they shake hands and we hear the classic wrestlemania music and we go to a commercial nice little segment here what do you think
0: Yes, it, it felt very big time because you had all the officials in the ring. You had, like, you know, Jack Lanza, Tony Gurria, Arnold Skull, and uh, I think J.J. Dillon was even in there. Um, so uh, you had it, it made it feel big time that, like, you know, this coin toss was determined, the, the, the high stakes for WrestleMania, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, the Brett Owen thing was inevitable, um, and I'm surprised that they jumped to that so quickly after Owen's turn. I thought that, like... I mean, as a kid, I didn't think this, but looking back on it now, imagine if they would have milked it to the point where Brett was, like, refusing to fight his brother, and Owen was, like, baiting him into a match week after week or month after month, and then finally he gives in and decides, all right, I'm going to wrestle you. But instead, in this instance, they they just announced it. All right, Brett, well, since you lost the coin toss, you're going to wrestle Owen first, then you're going to get the title shot. I think we had already
1: seen the Brett and Owen feud with the steel cage match and everything that they had had before. So
0: no, that was after this.
1: That was after this.
0: That was in summer oh, that year man, 1994. You're right. You're right. The greatest, So this is kickstarting this feud The greatest then. cage matches of all time. <laughs> yes, this was the beginning of the this is before they ever wrestled each this other. This is coming <laughs> so off this the is heels' the first of time and leaving wrestle.
1: him uh during the tag match, correct? And then Brett. Yes, okay, yeah. he yep, when sorry. when
0: Owen kicked Brett's leg out yes, of his leg. Yes, he did kick his against... leg out of his leg. <laughs> as as Owen would say that's why I kicked your leg and out of your leg and that's why you're selfish
1: and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg <laughs> yeah I yeah, love it we caught up in the champions
0: <laughs> he was crying like a little bitch and then Brett's getting wheeled off and I love how like in that not to sidetrack but now that we kind of brought it up like I love how like when Owen's back there and he's getting interviewed by Ray Ruscio and he's bitching and complaining about you know getting screwed and it was Brett's fault and they're wheeling Brett on this stretcher but they make sure that they stop so that Brett could see his brother talk all that shit to him from the fucking video screen now let's not worry about his leg or anything and the fact that you know Owen kicked his leg out of his leg let's just stop for a minute it's like oh hey Brett you you want to be insulted even more sure why don't you just watch your brother talk all this shit to you while your legs in fucking pain and your future in the royal rumble later tonight is in doubt ha huh, here you go like, i never looked
1: at it that way but holy shit that's you know okay. what i mean like
0: come on like he had to stop and like oh hold on let's stop it well here You're he like, is oh, like bro, give me a break what's
1: this brett you want to watch this he's like
0: no god yeah. oh yeah like yeah here's a little more salt on the wound why don't we just uh why don't you just uh, sit back and uh, take this tongue lashing from your brother on the fucking video screen uh, jesus <sighs> sorry this has been a sidetrack no, kind cool. of day here we're I'm having fun out the days. uh
1: we get, yeah. we come back from a commercial because there's not really too much to talk about with this raw other than the coin toss um so yeah we all yeah. back we have quang out with harvey whippleman being his manager match oh. number three here um during the match owen is uh coming on the phone and he's talking about he's the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be and Um, Quang is beating down Rich Myers here. Super kick. One, two, three. Quang goes over. I think they should do like, uh, stuff like this again with people like calling in if they're not going to be on the show, but do like FaceTime videos in the corner. If you have the, that would be pretty
0: cool. Yeah. I, I would get behind that. That's kind of like that idea that I brought up a couple weeks ago where, you know, they they bring like the guest commentator mm-hmm. on a weekly basis and have it be a different guy and you just take like a mid-card guy like a Zack Ryder, or actually he's not mid-card, he's like bottom of the card, but you take someone who doesn't get used enough on TV and you just kind of see what, they, what they're what yep. they able to bring, you know, and, and, and see if there's something there. Um, see what kind of interest that, you know, the, the fans may or may yeah, not have You Have a revolving person, but, yeah. door
1: so that you can cycle your, your card and your roster.
0: Yeah, and it also, like, helps, like, not, like, burn out, like, Corey Graves, for instance, who, you know, I like Corey Graves, but Jesus Christ, like, he's on every yeah. show. Like, you know, he's Raw, he's SmackDown, he does all the paper. Like, that dude does not take a break during any of the pay-per-views now because he's got to call right. every match because he's on both shows. So, like, God forbid the guy wants to yeah. take a piss and maybe get a drink of water. Like, he can't even uh, do yeah. that, you know, because lot. he's, he's on everything. You know, he said, so,
1: I live here, basically.
0: <laughs> it would just be interesting in, in – in this time period now, if they were to kind of adopt, uh, adopt that oh, philosophy yeah. from 94, oh, but, yeah. um, even like the, the enhancement matches too, as well. Um, kind of, you know, have some of the lower card guys or the mid card guys work, a, 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 a job guy, I have a 205 them, guy come s-
1: out and have a good showing with another guy, a Dean Ambrose.
0: Yeah. Or like, let, like someone like a, let someone like a, 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 a Mike Bennett, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, in WWE, Mike Canellis, whatever you want to call him, have him work uh, uh, an enhancement talent and you see what Mike Bennett's all about. You know what I mean? Just kind of like, I get that it's a TV show, but damn, like, they sign these guys and they do nothing with them sometimes. So, you know, but let's not get off the rails here and talk about today's current WWE product. uh, But yes,
1: a guy that was signed at the time. Todd Pettengill.
0: Todd Pettengill. He's
1: selling tickets for the closed circuit viewing of WrestleMania 10. Closed circuit viewing.
0: Everybody. Yeah, they uh, they held that in the um the uh the theater uh in Madison Square Garden, the old uh the the old uh I forget, but they actually they called it the Theater in the Garden, um if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um yeah, which, you know, it was a neat little venue and I believe um the Lion's Den match from uh SummerSlam 98 was in that theater.
1: Yeah. With and it's, uh, Shamrock it, it's, and Owen. It's cool, like, 1994, I didn't know that they were still doing closed-circuit viewings of pay-per-view stuff like that.
0: That's how I watched WrestleMania three when I was four years old.
1: Okay, my, yeah, my, 87, that's yeah. a little different.
0: No, no, I get it, but that was the first time I ever I was ever exposed to like seeing wrestling live, like not in my home. Like I didn't go okay. to like a, like that was the f- I watched WrestleMania three in a closed circuit movie theater. My father and I paid four dollars. I mean, my father paid four dollars. Four years old, so I didn't pay for shit. Puff it fa- up. My, my, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, had to, I had to give up my allowance for making my fucking crib, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to go to, to go see WrestleMania three in, in an old porno theater. You right. Know? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's 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 what I was. I was doing it four years old. I was making my bed to make sure I got to see Hogan wrestle Andre and, and Savage and Steamboat go at it. But um, uh, yeah, hey, closed circuit for 1994. I didn't realize they still did that either because pay-per-view was a thing back mm-hmm. then. That, that's it. That's interesting as well. Todd Pettengill, WWF mania. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Moving on with the show, Undertaker has a segment with Paul Bear talking about the Undertaker not being gone. And he will never rest in peace. And the Undertaker will return. Oh, yes. He will return. He's not coming like Kane. He'll return. Return. Yeah. So a little segment there building up Undertaker before WrestleMania 10, which not part of.
0: Yeah, that was strange. That was strange that he was not a part of that. I thought at the very least as a kid, if he wasn't going to wrestle Yokozuna, he was at least in there with, like, some of the guys that helped lock him in the casket. Like a Bam Bam Bigelow or an Atom Bomb or, yes. um, you know, uh, Diesel, even. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I thought, like, at least he was going to get his revenge on some of those guys. And then eventually he'll lead him to Yoko. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, instead mm-hmm. we got Adam Bomb and fucking Earthquake with Cy Sperling from the Hair Club for Men and Harvey Whippleman at WrestleMania 10. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. That was worth yeah. the fucking 29,95 I spent.
1: <laughs> Speaking of earthquake, he's in the next match. He makes a return here. Um, during the match, uh, he's going against Corey student. He's teaching him a lesson. Uh, <laughs> accepts the challenge of IRS for next week's brawl. So we're we'll, we're gonna have Marty Janetty against IRS. Woo woo. We get a big leg drop and a power slam from Earthquake, and then that bur- big Earthquake splat. One two three. Earthquake goes over in this match.
0: Yay! We yeah. brought Earthquake back so he can have a two minute squash match at Wrestle fucking Mania Ten. Yep. Yay!
1: <sighs> yeah back from a commercial yeah I mean it was it was nothing really I mean he makes a return I guess I was kind of hyped as a kid but yeah I just remember he was shortly later he was Avalanche and Shark and then John Tenta in WCW
0: yeah um, I'll be honest with you um, as a kid I hated Earthquake because he almost killed Hulkamania yes um, but I didn't I, I I he was such a good bad guy that as a kid I didn't I had a hard time believing him as a good guy. Right. Or should I say as a kid, I had a hard time trusting him. Like he's supposed, like he's supposed to earn my fucking trust at 10 years (laughs) old. You know what I mean? (laughs) But (laughs) I had a hard time like thinking like, well, you know, Oh, like how is he a good guy? How is he a
1: good guy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I get that vibe too. There were some guys I I
0: was like that with too. Not just earthquake.
1: Yeah. You just see him so long as, uh, you know, he's earthquake is always a heel to me in my eyes. Yeah um okay so we get a commercial break after that match then we're back from a commercial razor has a gold razor blade necklace you know for all that cocaine that the kids are doing these days
0: (laughs) if he's gonna use the scarface gimmick he's gotta steal every aspect of it i mean come on like
1: yeah sure yeah sure why not have a big pile of coke on the desk in front of you
0: say hello to my little friend
1: right exactly Genetti uh is on the screen and he says IRS is gonna uh IRS is gonna get whooped next week and uh we'll be right. Don't we'll be right back, don't forget, and we're back and the fans are chanting Irwin, which is uh I guess insulting to him. And uh they plug, Piper
0: started that. Ah, he did. Yes. Piper when he was on commentary Irwin
1: Irwin, Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's good. Um, and then they plug Sparky Plug next week. <laughs> uh, Spark Plug, Bob Holly will be going uh, against Owen. And then, of course, Genetti and IRS. And then, oh, we go off air. So we went to a commercial and did all that, and then they just went off air to keep you hanging on.
0: Yeah, that was kind of silly. Yeah,
1: and they're, they're not even up against competition at this time, like WCW on Monday night, so it's just odd, but... Okay, that was your Monday Night Raw. What would you think overall?
0: I mean, the only thing I really cared about was that coin toss. Yeah, uh, true. You know, that was the only thing that had, like, any kind of emotional investment. Like, I didn't care about Earthquake. I didn't care about Quang. Um, I mean, I guess you could say, like, the Undertaker, you know, Paul Bearer segment where Undertaker, you know, basically claimed that he was never gone and he will return. Like, there was some interest there, but... For the most part, I just cared about who was who was going to face the champion first at WrestleMania. Yep. That was that was what that was what I, I I took out of this like I said at the beginning of of this recap.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um all right, let's move on. Um let's go to 1998 this historical moment, huh?
0: Yeah. Um I'm I'm assuming you are referring to um, the first and only time WCW ever did a paper listen on their internet stream, uh, the the Boston Brawl. Is that what you're yep. referring yes. to from 1998? Yes, indeed, okay. from
1: the Fleet yeah. Center, Boston, Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, which, by the way, I found out on a recent edition of uh, 83 Weeks that this show sold out to Fleet Center two months before WrestleMania 14. Holy Think shit. about that. They're running a they're running a, a, a WWF town in the, in the Northeast, and they sold it out. Yeah, and I be, uh, eighteen thousand seven hundred
1: fifty nine at this.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Two months before WrestleMania, yeah, and that WrestleMania is regarded as one of the the the, the most profitable. Well, this, uh, from a financial standpoint.
1: Not to jump ahead, but this card was good. But I mean, this is just. Just shows you how hot wrestling was at the time, nearly twenty-one oh, years man. ago.
0: Absolutely, I mean, th- this card. Honestly, like as a kid, I would just remember like I didn't understand why um, they were doing a paper listen. Like I never, I never found the appeal as a kid. Like my father would listen to Mets baseball games in the car if we were in the car, you know, on the radio right. or a Giants football game, and I never and found that's something
1: you could listen to, right?
0: yeah and i never found the appeal in listening to a sports event i guess you could you could you could you know rationalize it by saying that you know it 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 explores your imagination and it forces you to think of what's going on and picture it in your head while you're listening to it but for wrestling wrestling is very visual um like a lot of sporting events so in 1998 i didn't understand why they did a what they called a paper listen for this uh boston brawl event but at the same time you know people shit all over all the bad things that wcw did but this was very innovative for its time uh this was the this was a precursor to podcasting
1: um oh yeah i mean wwf did wwf radio in the 90s uh similar yes so yes um but this was from wcw.com you know yes it it was internet so it was a lot different they were the
0: yeah, they and they were the first two to uh, to to do a um, you know with their WCW live program that they had. Like they would do a live show, like as like a pre show on WCW.com, like each week, and they would kind of it was like a, a mix between like kayfabe and shoot, right? Where they would you know Didn't and not they that do was very an after show too? For, yeah. Yeah like yeah after nitro um they would they would do that stuff yeah it was wild like the things that they did that they tested mm-hmm. that they came up with at the time that people don't give wcw enough credit for um like i said a precursor to like podcasting podcasting days and something that actually my brother and i talked about on last week's uh, watch along of the 94 rumble where i think it's i think it's a market that definitely has potential to um to succeed in, especially with the WWE network, um, instead of like, it would be like podcast WWE, where you could see, um, you could watch a pay-per-view event, but you get the alternate commentary oh, love instead that. of seeing like the Michael Cole, um, or the, and the Corey Graves. And let's say the Renee young, right. you could wait like 24 to 48 hours and you could watch the, the, the pay-per-view event with alternate commentary from, fucking let's just say for argument's sake jim ross jerry lawler and a random legend you know calling that yeah, event or you know, an active
1: superstar that's not being used on the card
0: exactly um, yeah yeah That Stuff would be like great. That, yeah
1: that would be great because it would be like it, almost like like you say the podcast that we're doing here it's almost like conversational and it's easier to yeah. watch along like that exactly. raw that it we would... did on kicking out at two that was fun to do you know
0: yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what my brother said too. That's exactly what Justin was saying. He was saying that you know you wouldn't necessarily be calling the action, but it would just be more like two guys that are watching wrestling, just kind of bsing and bullshitting, and you're you're listening along, just kind of like what anybody does when they're watching wrestling, sitting in, sitting on the couch with with their buddy, right. you know. Right. Um, but this was very revolutionary for its time i thought this was great and uh at least now i i didn't understand it back then but looking back at it now i was like man if wcw tapped into that market a little more and did more of those uh, it, it was it, i think it would have been a good source of revenue long term yeah but um this card looking at it now from the notes that you that, that you sent me here um for the most part, this is some pretty good stuff here. Right. Like this is like the cream of the crop of WCW in 1998. At I want to see
1: this card, damn it!
0: Yeah, Goldberg defeating Buddy Lee Parker in under a minute uh, minute 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um This was like in the, on the rise of Goldberg um, as you know. This, uh, with his undefeated streak yeah. And then the second match We would see Booker T Defend the television title Against VK Wall Street IRS Who was a main focal point Of the episode of Monday Night Raw That we just recapped From 1994 um, Chris Jericho And Dean Malenko For the Cruiserweight Championship Chris Jericho Defeating Malenko That's he, Malenko 15, was a substitution Yes, it went yeah, a solid 15 minutes 28 seconds and this was um uh during the period of time where Jericho was on the the rise as a heel in WCW and he was targeting the Cruiserweights and they were keep and and what was interesting about this event too was that nowadays in wrestling you have um you have your house shows and sometimes a lot of your house shows don't really reflect what's going on on TV. Some of it does, but some of it doesn't. And in this instance, the majority of this card really reflected on what was taking place on WCW television, Agreed. if you were if you were a listener. Yeah. So, um Jericho kinda of running through the cruiserweights, doing the stuff of Malenko, uh was pretty interesting. Uh, a match that probably didn't deserve eight minutes and fifty nine seconds. Steve Mongo McMichael defeating Greg the Hammer Valentine. I wanna see this uh, so
1: bad just for just for because of the two guys in it. Come on. Wouldn't you wanna see that? I mean Nine minutes of your life, Dave.
0: Nine minutes of my life. You know, I could spend I could spend nine minutes doing a lot of other things that I probably shouldn't even mention on this podcast, but I'm gonna leave it at that and move on with an interesting pairing for this next match. Rick and Scott Steiner defeated Raven and Saturn in eight minutes and fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, not having real any real issues on this on this uh, this card. WCW at the time I should say Um, Raven and his flock were dealing with uh, Chris Benoit and the Steiners were in the midst of the early parts of their breakup but dealing with their issues with the NWO so I thought this was a. I mean looking at this um, this would have been a rather interesting uh, card. Uh, yeah. Saturn's a very snug, physical style wrestler, and I could only imagine how he would have hooked it up with a guy with guys like Rick and Scott and, and Ravens Raven. Right. So this would have this would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the next match here, which. It was probably this, one of the one of the studs of this card, um, I would imagine. Don't know how it well, well it did, but uh, 15 minutes and 32 seconds, we were treated to Chris Benoit defeating Eddie Guerrero by submission.
1: Hell yeah, it's probably um, no Steve McMichael and Greg Valentine, but I bet it was a good match.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. You, uh,
1: man, I want to see this card. I want to hear it now. Is there any, have have you found anything? I couldn't find
0: anything. Um, I I searched YouTube and I could not find anything on this event. Um, I Googled it and I saw, um, some really bad camera, uh, some really bad pictures of this, of this event, like some grainy stuff with like Scott Hall, um, and but i didn't see any and i think there was like a i want to say if you search for it on google i think you find like a like a a short clip of this event like someone snuck a fan cam in and i want to say it was like a minute or two i could be mistaken but it um i didn't bother even really looking at it because um i don't have patience for when it comes to shitty video quality but um i thought the the to prepare for this show, it'd be better that we just read the results and yeah. discuss, like, the all the, the, the cool what-ifs um, regarding the, the the circumstances surrounding this internet paper-listen event now looking, for WCW.
1: No, sorry, but looking back... No, no go ahead. Uh, uh, they did do some audio streams. There was a WCW Saturday Nitro that took place June 28th from 1997. Um... Then we had a WCW battle in Seattle that took place September 19th, 1997 from Seattle, Washington. Uh, Then we had this WCW Boston Brawl that we're talking about. And then later in the year, we would get WCW Malice at the Palace, April 2nd, 1998 at the Ice Palace in Tampa, Florida. In Tampa?
0: Now, didn't they do one in the for, in the old L.A. Forum got, where, the, where the Lakers and the Kings yeah, played?
1: Two more. There's the WCW okay. Profiles in Pain, May 2nd, 1998. That's from North Carolina, the Charleston Coliseum. And then interesting. WCW L.A. Melee. Wow, that really rolls off the tongue, huh? July 10th, 1998, Great Western Forum, like you said. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay, so they did a series of these events. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yep. But I mean, think about non televised event. This is a paper listen, and they got eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty nine people for a fucking live event. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And sometimes when you when you hear a number like that and you look at this card, you have to say to yourself, "How the fuck did WCW lose that battle?" Yeah. Like how the fuck did they go out of business with the with the talent that they had and the numbers they were putting in? Like it's baffling sometimes. It is incredible. But you you, you could you could equate it to a number of different things, and that's the subject for another day. Um, as we get to the sixth, the seventh match here, a rematch from the nineteen ninety eight sold out pay per view event, Bret Hart defeating the Nature Boy Ric Flair in thirteen minutes and thirty two seconds. Oh yeah. Moving on here in match number eight. An interesting six-man tag team Mm -hmm. match. Um, Diamond Dallas Page, Larry Zbysko, and the total package, Lex Luger, defeated Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and the Macho Man Randy Savage in 10 minutes and 31 seconds. And, And then we get our main event of that evening as Sting defeated Hollywood Hulk Hogan inside of a steel cage in 12 minutes and 33 seconds. Yeah, now that was a show. When that, I look were, at-
1: that was a card that they are. Sorry. That was a match that they were running a lot at the time. Cause I saw this lot. Li- I saw Sting and Hogan live at a house show for a steel cage match after the Starcade event. R- you did really? Yeah, so I talk about it nice. on an episode with Jimmy episode four bonus episode of Retromania. If I would do a cheap plug myself, it's the, uh, wrestling matches that we've been to live so we run down all the cards that we went to live very cool yeah. interesting interesting so uh, stuff. what do you okay. what do you think about this card i mean I'm, it's amazing right
0: yeah this is i am very surprised that like that like i said that they lost the war um based on like the things that they were doing the numbers that they were drawing i mean but the, like you said at the beginning of this Testament to how hot wrestling was. The they sold out the Fleet Center in Boston, which is now the TD Garden, um, two months before WrestleMania sold it out. That is just very. It's fascinating to me. I can't tell you how fascinated I am by that by that notion and that number that 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 we're reading here. But um, you know what's interesting about the the this card, the main event, Hogan and Sting in a cage. Mm-hmm. That should have been the main event for Starcade and right they should have done it in a cage and we could sit here and play you know revisionist or you know fantasy book or whatever but um that's the ultimate payoff. i feel like a match of that magnitude at that event would have been huge mm-hmm. and because they had that screw job referee you know fuck up that they did with nick patrick and bret hart and then they we talked about on last week's show like they had the 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 announcement of the super brawl rematch at the sold out Mm pay-per-view um then if that was the case why didn't they do the cage match at super brawl uh you know what i mean like why wasn't super brawl why weren't the stakes higher at the super Brawl match right you know instead it was just a straight up regular match that time Yeah, didn't understand that either but um I would like to have seen Sting and Hogan in a Cage for the title, whether that be Stargate or Super Brawl. I think it would have worked.
1: Yeah, and think about it. They were, they were running that show. Uh, I mean, they were running that match through towns. So why not do it for a fucking pay per view and make some money? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. We, the question remains why did they lose? But then there's the answers, as well as books like The Death of WCW.
0: I I bought that book. Do you have you have you read that? No, I haven't. I mean, to be quite honest with you, it's a lot of like you know ex- excerpts from the dirt sheets and what they've reported mm-hmm. you know over the years. So I mean, there's some. I'm sure there's some truth to it, but I'm sure there's a lot of you know rumor and innuendo. But however, um, the uh, I want to get the 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 WCW Nitro book. Okay, uh, that that was written by Guy Evans. Yes. Um, Conrad Thompson and Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks, they praised this book as probably the best example, the best story that was told regarding the existence of WCW. Like, this guy really did his research. He interviewed people that used to work in management in the offices of Turner and all the behind the scenes dealings in WCW. It wasn't just a bunch of the wrestlers that have said the same old speech that, you know, it was, you know, ATM Eric letting everyone run the show. Mm -hmm. Um, They went into this they, whoever wrote this book went into great detail um to and to great lengths to interview people that you know worked in accounting and worked in finance and and things like that wow. and yeah so it's a it it's called the wcw nitro book guy evans that's, is the uh the the, the the publisher that's
1: pretty cool um, I, I definitely am gonna have to check that out i really want to do a read of the death of wcw as well I'm, I'm getting big into uh, wrestling books again. A lot of them were biographies at a time, uh, for a time, but I like uh, story, chronological stuff now. I'm, I'm, I want to get the um, the Lion's Pride book by Chris Charlton. It's basically the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling and everything that oh, started there. I definitely uh, okay. have heard a lot of great things about that. But moving on, okay. you're talking about Nitro. You want to talk about 2000 Nitro? I mean, do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> we'll run it down real quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just messing with you. Go. Let's, let's do it's it. It's the
1: First Union Arena in Pennsylvania again, dude. Weird. Um,
0: Philadelphia, though, right?
1: Uh, First Union Arena. I don't know where that is.
0: No, Wilkes-Barre. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the notes right now. Wilkes-Barre. I'm thinking, yeah, because I think the one in Philly was called the First Union at one point. But I'm sorry. Let's continue. Okay, My, my apologies.
1: 7,514 people here. Uh, yeah. We get a recap of this Thunder past uh, where Sid was stripped of the title that he had just won. Then he had to beat Ron and Don Harris. And then he beat Kevin Nash to win the WCW World Heavyweight title again. And, uh Yeah. I'm just like uh this is this is that stuff that we were just talking about WCW yikes yeah
0: I mean I guess that's the hand that they were dealt with you know with all the injuries and the change in leadership again and yeah that was what they felt was the best option at the time I mean I guess I I, I guess yeah. yeah yeah
1: NWO come out first and uh Jeff Jarrett is acting commissioner while Nash is not there um, Heavy D and Ron get inducted into the NWO. NWO has um, some Nazis. I'm sorry.
0: Skull and 8 yeah. Jacob and Eli. Mm-hmm. NWO for life. Yeah.
1: Jeff Jarrett announces uh, he'll Face Sid. And he's going to be the number one contender. And he announces the main event. And who Sid will have to be teaming up with later, uh, he'll announce later. So... Stay tuned. Woo, Rick Flair shows up in a limo. So this is classic <laughs> stuff here. Um and we continue the cruiserweight championship tournament as Lash LaRue goes against Evan Courageous here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, not the not the best use of um I get that they were trying to bring back the, the, the prominence and prestige that was the the cruiserweight championship, but I mean um yeah it, Evan Courageous and Lash LaRue uh don't exactly embody um That's a C term uh, the card spirit. For yeah, I wouldn't even run that at a flea market. <laughs> um, like that's Yeah. Yeah. Moving on Yeah, moving
1: on. <laughs> backstage we get NWO uh gets catering and they uh they get lobsters and Oh, they can't get lobsters and fillets, and so Ron and Don uh, and Jeff Jarrett send it all back. So yeah, being bougie right there. It's nothing to see here. Then we get a promo of Dustin Rhodes with a goatee and short black hair, and this cowboy version, this weird pseudo version of Dustin Rhodes in WCW at this time, and he's telling you to leave the rough stuff to the pros. <laughs>
0: That sounds like a that sounds like a please don't try it at home ad for a porno. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you know how like we used to like see as kids watching the wrestling, like you know, like the please don't try this at home, yeah. and they show all the dangerous moves, and you know, because the backyard wrestling was the craze. Like that sounds like something that you would get in, like the the beginning of a porno. Yeah. yeah. Except most of us probably wanted to try that stuff at home <laughs> with our girlfriends. So go fucking figure, right?
1: Yeah, true. Just like the wrestling.
0: Seriously, if I follow these things back in two thousand, you know how much money we'd make, we'd be able to make? Oh, like sure. if we did like PSAs before pornos. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, you know? These are trained professionals, highly skilled tub. athletes. Leave,
1: leave the rough stuff
0: to the pros. <laughs> yeah. Leave the rough stuff to the pros. <laughs> but make sure you make sure you wear your protection if you do. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: raw. You know. Monday night raw. Speaking of no no <laughs> this is nitro. I'm sorry. Nitro. <laughs> Nitro match two here. We have a Bensonhurst street fight. Blah, blah, blah. It's terrible. What
0: the fuck is a Bensonhurst street fight? I don't
1: know. It's something with Big Vito and Johnny the Bull defeating Crowbar and David Flair. Miss Hancock shows up Why didn't they just call here.
0: it a fucking... Why didn't they just call it like a Little Italy brawl or something? What the fuck's a Bensonhurst street I fight? I
1: have no clue. Uh, okay. Maybe something to do with the town, Pennsylvania, or maybe something to do with uh, an Italian... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. So Miss Hancock shows up during this, uh, but honestly, Daphne has the bigger butt, and she's hotter now, and I'm into goth girls, so it was kind of like feeling Daphne on this episode, just, you know, saying. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, she, Daphne's Daphne does got quite the turd cutter in those suede yoga pants she was rocking with those Doc Martens. Yeah,
1: better than Miss Hancock, who was the eye candy at the time. Um, Disco Inferno helps out Big Vito and, off the top rope and crashing through crowbar one two three they go over nothing to see here except the ladies yeah yeah all right uh coming up it'll be big t against booker t booker is out and his music stops and then we get clarence mason but it's not clarence mason it's j biggs Uh, and he announces the music that booker has and he's been coming out to is owned by harlem heat and booker t no longer owns part of that name. So Big T and Stevie Ray are out with him, too, and they're the new Harlem Heat. And Big T is Ahmed Johnson, right?
0: That is correct. And let's continue uh, uh, describing how awful this (laughs) storyline is.
1: Also, the name Booker T is not allowed because T is property of Harlem Heat. So all
0: right all right this is where I call bullshit right now okay this is where I call, this is where my bullshit alarm goes off all right we're talking about names okay and I get the Harlem Heat name and maybe even the music to a degree but now you mean to tell me that in wrestling as a kid I'm supposed to believe that some guy is not allowed to use his real fucking name right
1: No, the letter T. No,
0: that was like his believable, like, and I think I've told you this story, of when WCW had uh, Ray Trailer and they signed him as the boss, Mm -hmm. and he lost that match to Vader, and Nick Bockwinkle said, you're not allowed to call yourself the boss, you have to come up with a new name. How fucking dumb is that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's...
0: Just like this, this is fucking stupid too.
1: Yep. Uh, didn't like this one. Um, this... Yeah, stupid, stupid Sorry, stuff. Sorry, my rant's No, over. stupid stuff here. Uh, Stevie tells Booker he can't wear those flames anymore, and the music. Oh, my God. And no tea. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And maybe he can find uh, uh, an old G.I. Bro getup. Wow, what a call here, right? Because later, Booker will become G.I. Bro again, yeah. right?
0: He was G.I. Bro with the with the Misfits in Action during the Russo-Bischoff era, yeah. when it was the new Blood in the Millionaires Club. Yeah. Which, which I'm sure we are going to discuss at great length mm-hmm. uh, later on down the line here on, on uh, Marking Out the Days. Yeah,
1: and then Big T says he owns the letter T. And Big T and Stevie leave, and Clarence is running down Booker. And then Midnight uh, must have not passed Big T and Stevie backstage, I guess, because they walk by. And then all of a sudden, boom, she comes out. And she attacks Jay Biggs from behind. And then all of a sudden they come out. And uh, they beat down Booker, and, yeah, and J. Biggs sells his neck and gets walked out with Harlem Heat, and the music hits.
0: Dumb, 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 dumb. Next.
1: Norman Smiley gets attacked by three count. Jeff Jarrett says Finley will be the ref for the match of the total package later tonight. After Nobs, uh paid Jeff Jarrett with a lot of money to get a match with Total Package, well, guess what? He's getting that match. He's going to be the ref in it. Stole your money. Anyhow, back from a break, Norman Smiley goes into that creepy casket, and it closes on him. That was the Demon's casket, right? Stupid that shit. That is here.
0: correct. Yeah. Because they, because they had to fulfill a contractual obligation with, with Gene Simmons and Kiss, um, kiss, was, kiss had to, Kiss performed on a Nitro and gave Tony Schiavone a kiss boner because he's a mark for Kiss, and so therefore, ladies WCW, and gentlemen, the greatest band ever, Kiss. Isn't that what he said? So then, in the storyline, Kiss had to, the the deal was was that they had to come up with a Kiss char- uh, themed character, um, which would be played by Dale Torborg, mm-hmm. um, son of the former New York Mets manager Jeff Torborg, wow. and. Um, Dale would Dale would be involved in one pay per view main event level match. Um, yeah, that's what that's what part of the deal was. I've also heard too on um, Bischoff's uh, uh, podcast he talked about how WCW tried getting into business with Gene Simmons and the Kiss brand because Gene Simmons has been known to brand the kiss Oh, they were pumping out toys at name, this time like,
1: i remember yeah they had toys and, like
0: credit cards mm-hmm. and like anything you could slap the kiss name on you could lunch boxes t-shirts everything yeah. and so they were trying to uh they, they were trying bischoff tells a story how he like had a business meeting at gene simmons home um regarding this relationship with wcw and the other part of it was um In 1999, they were going to do a New Year's Eve pay-per-view where Kiss was going to perform on this pay-per-view, and they were going to do a storyline where there was going to be a match where if they timed it out perfectly, um, the the pay-per-view would go off the air and go black and the the count you you wouldn't get the finish of the match it would be 1, 2 and then the pay per view would go black and because everyone was in that Y2K craze where they thought the world <sighs> was going to end they wanted to create that narrative that you know the world ended and you didn't get to see your WCW pay per view
1: and they were going to
0: have like they were going to have KISS perform in between matches and stuff like that I believe they were going to try and host it at um, the forum uh the, the old Olympic uh, stadium in uh, Los Angeles where the where the Rams play, wow. uh, where the original WrestleMania Seven location was going to be, but there was some there were some issues regarding that with Turner, and eventually it just didn't get worked out. So they had Kiss perform on Nitro, and then they did the storyline with the character, with the demon, and all that other and stuff. And that's where
1: and, we are now.
0: And that's where we are right now. Thank you for letting me go off on a rant. No, here I I love the, the info, book.
1: and I like the the history that we put behind stuff. That's what we do here at Marking Out the Days. Um, So continuing to mark out the day, match three, we'll get some more demon on this episode. Uh, Recap of Billy Kidman losing to the wall at sold out 2000, January 16th. Billy and Tori are so young and skinny here, man, but this shit sucks. This is terrible. Kidman fights back and hits a missile drop kick. The wall does that choke slam and Vampiro comes out and he does a spinning wheel kick off the top rope and hits the wall and Billy Kidman pins the wall and we cut off um, and Eric, I mean, we cut backstage and Ric Flair is walking to the arena still. (laughs) He must be a slow walker and NWO is deciding who will be partners of Sid backstage and we get this classic Nature Boy segment coming up. We're back from a commercial, and it's Mean Gene. Rest in peace. With the returning former 14-time world champion Ric Flair, Mean Gene tells him he could run for the governor of Pennsylvania and win, and Mean, woo, God, Gene. If you put all the sports teams in Pennsylvania in one ball, they still don't equal this. And that means they are all excited to see the greatest ever comeback. And yeah, you better go woo, like your girlfriend, pal. He's yelling at somebody in the front row. (laughs) His
0: signature was like, you shut up, fat boy. right. (laughs) right. say it a lot too. Shut up, fat boy, I'll
1: steal your girl. Yeah, there's some classic stuff in here. But he's like, 20 years ago, not a friend. 10, some that could run with me. And now, here's 50. And pal, ask your mother, ask your girlfriend, I'm the man. And Space Mountain is the is is the oldest ride but still the longest line.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, and Rick says they called him and they asked him to come back as commissioner. And he said, "Why would you want the greatest wrestler to do that?" No. "Will you come back to this Nitro?" "Maybe." And he's back. And uh and he takes off his jacket. Classic stuff here from Rick. He calls out Terry Funk and about them being partners and friends and Rick says you're wrong there's a difference between us and he elbows the canvas classic Ric Flair stuff here he bounces up and calls out Terry Funk and on the ninth day God created Flair wow he's on fire here huh
0: yeah I mean that's you know, yeah. typ- typical Ric Flair he, he could take uh, chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad mm-hmm.
1: And then we get Terry Funk coming out to booze, and he's in his classic gear. Finally, not the uh, Target getup. Um, he calls. He
0: wasn't rocking the Adidas shell tops with the cowboy boot slip-ons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Terry called.
0: I gotta get me a pair of one of those yes, please. when I decide I want to be a cowboy for Halloween.
1: <laughs> there you go. And then you can say my horse died.
0: Yeah, my Pritchard. <laughs> I can't make it to the match tonight. My horse is sick. And your
1: mother's a whore. <laughs> nice. Good one. Some uh Richard. I need about eight orange juice and vodkas, please. Did you ever hear that story? Uh I think. I think.
0: WrestleMania 14? When he had that like took when he had that big like nasty looking bruise on his back and they were like telling him to like you gotta go to the hospital you gotta go to the hospital okay. and he's at the Wrestlemania after party and they finally convinced him all right uh, you know he, he's gonna go to the hospital and he had Pritchard get him like eight orange juice and vodkas to take on the way to the <laughs> hospital <laughs> and he drank all awesome. of awesome he got shit-faced and loaded before he went to the hospital
1: good man Terry yeah <laughs>
0: that's hardcore right there Terry, yeah my the goddamn funker <laughs>
1: Classic stuff by Terry here. He continues uh, some name-calling. He calls Flair a banana-nose, horse-tooth bastard. (laughs) And Terry says that Rick is jealous and cynical because Mick Foley's book. And then there's a quote that Rick wouldn't make a decent-sized pimple on the ass of Terry Funk. Oh,
0: my goodness. Look at that. We're getting personal now. Yeah,
1: Terry wants him (laughs) to join him against the NWO and help WCW. And to whoop David Flair. Your boy's out of hand. Um, Rick tells Terry to come down. And Terry walks down. Terry's in the ring. Rick says, wow. That shirt says, you call yourself the living legend. While well, I'm in the ring. And then we get a spinning toe hold and punches from Terry. And security separates the two legends. And we get some kicks from to Terry from Ric Flair, and they're separated again, woo, 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 this is a hot segment, but uh, yeah, two classic rivalry, two classic legends that had a classic rivalry coming together again in a 2000 edition of Nitro.
0: I'll be honest with you, back then when this took place, I was like, just going backwards, with using a lot of the older guys, you know, Um, but I mean, I guess like nowadays I can appreciate, you know, some of the things that these guys were best known Mm -hmm. for a little more, um, but uh, I don't their know. tiny contribution, I mean, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, moving on.
1: NWO backstage real quick, and Jeff Jarrett says, uh, "Looks like we just found Sid's two partners." Oh, gonna be Terry and Rick, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we go to a commercial. Back from a commercial. Mean Gene is with Sid, and he asks Sid what he thinks of Terry and Rick being his partners. And Sid does a great yelling promo, classic Sid stuff here. And someone will be power bombed straight. To you.
0: Me, gene
1: it's gonna hit
0: you like a shot in the head right is i the master and the ruler of the world Mm -hmm. will win this match because i have half the brain that you do
1: i'm sid justice yeah this is uh sid's episode two Backstage, we get Miss Hancock with Lenny and Lodi, and she can't get their wardrobe right, so they drop her as a manager. Stupid shit here. Commercial back. And we get Lex Luger out with Miss Elizabeth. We get a recap of Last Thunder on Wednesday. The assault of Buff Bagwell. Uh, Liz rips the FUBU outfit off of Lex Luger. (laughs)
0: Hey man that was 90s man that, that shit was hot everyone was wearing fubu yeah. i think my mother was wearing fubu like you know what i mean yeah. true i wasn't but shit yeah everybody else was it was
1: comfy fit finley comes out as the referee and um we we get fit finley and brian knobs in this match and uh liz hits knobs with the bat to the back And Finley walks out, and then Lex just breaks his wrist and or forearm of knobs with a chair. And this is that little story that they're going on right now is Lex is breaking everybody's arms. And the referees come out, the bells ring. Lex says, he's the Cal Ripken of wrestling.
0: You know, what? want to hear something stupid? This is so stupid, you're going to be like, huh? What, What? What? What, may, what would make you think of this? Um, this version of Lex Luger, I was not a fan no. of. And here's the reason why. Number one, he looked so awkward and uncoordinated when he would hit somebody with a baseball bat and do this little, you know, injuring guys. Like, he did it with Sting, and he did it with a number of different guys. But the other reason why I didn't like Lex Luger, because he stopped wearing wrist tape.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking stupid. But I did not like Lex Luger because I was like, why isn't he wearing wrist tape
1: anymore? too good for wrist These tape. are the
0: things that go through yeah. my mind as a wrestling fan. Like, Everybody honestly, has their little
1: like, things, dude. I'm serious, though.
0: Yeah, I just, I didn't, I never understood that. I was like, okay, I'm cool. He got the track suit. He's posing. Yes. He looks like he's in good shape. He's fucking Miss Elizabeth. I want to fuck Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> but then, you, you know, I wanted to fuck Miss Elizabeth in 2000. Not currently today, obviously. Right. Um, let's just be clear on that. Uh, but, you know, and then, but he's got no wrist tape. And I'm like, that's not Lex Luger. Right. That's just not Lex Luger. Sorry. Like, Next. Yeah.
1: Um, I agree. There's little stuff like that. With, like Shawn Michaels, as much as I appreciate his comeback role, I hate the fucking pants and then the Rey Mysterio pants. I cannot stand those goddamn pants that flare out like that. Uh, I just can't. Okay. Yeah. All right. All That's, right.
0: I, I, I can understand why. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand and appreciate why. So I'll just leave it at that.
1: Um, all right. Moving on. Let's uh let's talk about Demon Norman comes out of the casket. Jesus, this is stupid, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, Norman had like that weird personality, the whole screaming Norman thing with the hardcore mm-hmm. stuff, but uh you know, this was just another part of it that I didn't think was
1: Yeah. entertaining. We go Next. We go to a commercial and then we're back from the commercial and the de- the demon is there. Saying something to the authorities about his outfit being missing. This is so stupid because if he wants to be a badass, he shouldn't be complaining to fucking people like my outfit's gone. You know, like what a prima donna bitch. But uh,
0: hold on a second. hold on a second. So people complain that the the storytelling and the finger poke of Doom was the shits, but no one has ever no one's brought up the fact that the demon, the Kiss demon, went to the cops to 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 report a burglary of his fucking ring gear
1: true right
0: seriously yeah. the, 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 the fucking goldberg and the nwo and nash and hogan and bischoff they should all get an oscar for what they did with the fucking finger poking doom compared to this bullshit
1: mm-hmm. agreed he
0: reported a burglary of his wrestling gear hey dude you're the kiss demon they've made a ton of money buy your own shit
1: oh yeah it was terrible but the funny part is uh norman being in the demon outfit he comes out with the demon get up but the demon comes out and uh yeah he gets beat up Does by the th-
0: demon come out in the hotel bathroom
1: <laughs> the demon comes out with officers shit, so and they chase the off norman Marriott. so he's like oh he brought the cops with yes him? yes oh
0: my goodness yep. oh my goodness there's a reason why we don't cover this shit every week yeah. folks oh my goodness yep
1: backstage with Mean Gene and Dallas Page and Kim and their relationship is back and stronger and sexier and Disco pinches her butt and says no I didn't you stupid bimbo and Page just beats up uh, Disco funny story that I forgot to mention as we've talked about Diamond Dallas Page and speaking of pinching butts my aunt and her friend went to Hard Rock Cafe around 98 99 and my aunt the one that I spoke of that knew Kevin Green and, you know, would watch wrestling here and there. Uh, She was like, hey, you're that, um, uh, uh, and sees DDP. She's like, uh, and he's like, macho man. She's like, no, no. And, uh, you know, introduced himself and she's like, you know, DDP. And she's like, yes. Oh my God. Can you get an autograph for my nephew? Um, so she hands him a napkin and he's like, come on, you got to buy a shirt. So she had to buy a Hard Rock Cafe shirt, but he signed it nonetheless and then slapped my uh aunt's friend's uh ass as they walked away.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I uh, I I met Kimberly and DDP um when I was uh I was working um I believe I kinda of told this story a little bit. I was working uh, for a catering company mm-hmm. at fifteen years old. I was busting tables at an arena that uh Nitro was being held at. So I got to meet all of them and she was sitting down at the table. And of course I'm fifteen years mm-hmm. old. I probably got I, I, I probably got a boner that puts a flagpole of shame. I was <laughs> like it's I was I was digging her the most she was all the way live as they like to say in the 90s and uh i she had asked me for a diet coke and i i would have murdered somebody for that diet coke uh, but i gave it to her and she and i have an autograph it's on it's on a piece of paper in my my wrestling collectibles autograph book it says to dave um thanks for the diet coke love kimberly or wow, something nice. like that uh yeah and then later i'm at ddp and he was cool. And I just said, I met your wife. She's a really nice lady. He goes, yeah, she's, she's, she, she's quite the girl. Isn't she? Like he was like really putting her over <laughs> and like, he was like, and in a way he was like, you know, basically saying like, you know, yeah, like I'm lucky to be with Hell her. Yeah. Um, they're no longer married now, but, um, <clears throat> I, I think they're still good friends. And I think she's like his business manager. I want to oh, say, wow. um, I could be wrong. Yeah. But like I, I watched the DDP documentary on, uh, WWE, uh, network, uh, a while back. and. Um, yeah, they, they they got divorced, but um they both went to each other's weddings, mm-hmm. which was which was kinda neat. It's good. They um, have a good you I,
1: I can see them having a cordial relationship afterwards.
0: But man, she was fucking hot. Hell like yeah. I would have I would I would have I killed I, I would have killed I would have done unspeakable things to be with I, her. And I might still <laughs> to this day. <laughs> I
1: love the pink getup. Uh that's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, she had like a little she had like a bit like a like a sports coat mm-hmm. with like heels and like a skirt and like a blouse like she had like an office type look. I was like, man, yeah. Jesus Christ, why not I got to be fifteen years old? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know what happened to that shirt, but um, cool DDP and Kimberly stories from us. Moving on with this show, back from a break, and Disco is saying that Kim wishes she got her butt touched and DDP is back, and he beats up Disco some more in the crowd, and then finally they're in the ring area, and oh, guess what? This is the next match. Page hits the diamond cover. Cutter, one, two, three. And, uh, yeah. And the Mama Luke's come out to look after Buff. It's interesting. What's going on here?
0: I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like the the recap you're giving me, it's like fucking Helen Keller wrote this episode of Oh, Nitro. I'm sorry,
1: yeah. So, uh, like all right. Yeah. Just stupid shit.
0: No, it's nothing it's it's nothing wrong that you're doing in terms of the recap. Yeah. It's just like holy shit, like you can't make sense of anything. No,
1: yeah, it's stupid like, here. Uh the diamond cutter ends the match and then we move on. Let's go to the main event. It's Jeff Jarrett, Ron and Don defeating Terry Funk, Sid Vicious, and Ric Flair. Uh no Ric Flair coming up and then all of a sudden, uh <sighs> Yeah stupid man
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah is this how we're gonna end marking out the days on a sad note that this show fucking sucks that that was a
1: lackluster episode of nitro some shit there just tried to fill this episode in you want to run us down with some january 31st 2000 monday night raw stuff from guess what the civic center pittsburgh fucking pennsylvania Jesus, dude! Yeah, it, we can't get away.
0: Pennsylvania, yeah, they, they're really marking out the marking out the towns yeah. in Pennsylvania uh, with the, when it comes to their wrestling. Um, but as far as this episode of Raw goes, this episode of Raw is most memor- memorable for the debut of the Radicals: Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko, mm-hmm. all making their debut for the World Wrestling Federation, just two weeks shy of jumping ship and leaving WCW after the sold-out pay-per-view event. Um, this was, uh, you know, uh, in the storyline, it was Cactus Jack who had invited them into the WWF. They got their front-row seats. They made a statement by attacking Road Dogg and, uh, and, and and uh, I believe, Billy mm-hmm. um, of the New Age Outlaws. And... The, uh, the the storyline was was that they needed to earn themselves an opportunity according to Stephanie McMahon and Triple H uh, who were in charge at the time uh, this was this was probably the real true last like Monday night war like, Jump, you know, in terms of like a talent Leaving, like you had, you know In the beginning of the Monday Night Wars you had You know, like Medusa and Hall and Nash and You know, all those big names, DiBiase And all those big names that had jumped ship from WWF to WCW And those were pretty shocking And then as the war was You know, escalating uh, WCW would get a few, you know Would lose a few guys, Jericho And Big Show, Mm -hmm. but um this was probably the last like big like real surprise like most people knew that they were probably going to head over there to the WWF but you know when they saw it in front of their eyes on the tv screen it was still like a oh wow this is cool like well imagine you know I mean everybody when you look at those four guys and this and I certainly did this when I was a kid um but you looked at those four guys and you saw Benoit, and you—you you thought of Benoit, and the Rock, Benoit, and Austin, Benoit, and Kurt Angle, Benoit, and Triple H. Oh, yeah. Like you saw, like dream mm-hmm. matches lined up for Chris Benoit for the remainder of his tenure in the WWF. Yeah. But um, it—it was—it it was a sight to see, and it was a pretty cool moment that they were a part of it, um, and and in the manner that they had arrived. But this was probably the last true, real big moment of the war. Um, where WWF, this was almost in a sense like the final nail in the coffin, yeah, for WCW. Like they lost like a core group of their you know guys that were essentially the future for that company, and the WWF had them, and we all know how that went.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was a big moment for me seeing them come into WWF, like you said, just you wanted to see every combination. Um, and then a, a new combination that we would get on this WWF episode of monday night raw january 31st 2000 kurt angle against the rock in a decent match um kurt angle is from here and he's this is like his beginning run as the top heel in wwf huh
0: yeah they were they were grooming him for a big spot with this and putting him in there with the rock and i was kind of surprised at the time too because i didn't expect um angle to be in a position like this but it worked and it was cool and it was fun and uh, they were playing off the stuff he had with taz and Mm -hmm. being in his hometown and the rock winning the rumble and so it was this was definitely a lot of fun and early signs of what you were going to see with rock and angle years down the road
1: um yeah um uh that's about it on this episode not too much to see here um Uh, From WWF. I mean, the Radicals are conferring with Cactus Jack, you know, during this episode. Um, We have, like you told us, you know, that the Radicals assault Triple H and, you know, and shove him into Cactus Jack, who has the belt, and we go off the air, you know?
0: Yeah, and you were were kind of tying up the... the I wouldn't say time. I should say you were you were adding another dimension to the Cactus Track Triple H story from their match at the Rumble heading into the No Way Out pay-per-view a few weeks mm-hmm. later.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So, and this was yeah, uh, a 7.0 rating, which is crazy for the time.
0: Yeah, which probably was like... A big part of that had to do, I'm sure, with like the radicals uh, making their debut. I'm sure people had a feeling they were going to be a part of this show. Um, it obviously wasn't advertised; it was treated as a surprise. And then, for those who, th- for those fans that missed it, I'm sure their buddies, you know, called them and said, "Those WCW guys are on Raw. They're sitting in the front row. You got to turn on the TV." Right. And then, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, I mean, everyone was tuning in to Raw at that time. Yeah, I mean, there was only God, the from,
1: yeah. 2.8 for Nitro.
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody nobody gave a shit about Nitro I mean, look what they were writing Hey, know? we did you today, would,
1: you know, we covered that pretty good Yeah,
0: we, we gave a shit about Nitro So, I mean, <laughs> you know, they they should be thanking us um, The people that wrote this yeah. um, Which I hear is J.J. Dillon, Kevin Sullivan And, and the late Mike Graham okay. um, So, you, you guys should be thanking us For, for, for giving this show um, the, the light of day yeah. Because uh, you certainly didn't give a shit About giving this show the light of day For us <laughs> wrestling fans 19
1: years True. ago well uh I, think, uh I think i <laughs> think yeah fuckers um so i think we covered what we can for the day huh what do you think
0: yeah i i think this bus has 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 uh has, has put some miles yes. on, on January 31st For sure This Magic School Bus of Pro Wrestling Podcast Has certainly put some miles down And I for one um, I'm spent when it comes to January 31st However, I am looking forward to next week Because next week we go into the month Of February February the 7th We got a lot of different things um, To discuss We discuss uh, some stuff from Raw And Nitro In the year 2000 Okay, one one incident in particular, a certain um, uh, a certain genetic freak uh, shooting on the mic on this episode of Nitro. We kind of uh, we we kind of alluded to him earlier Mm. when uh, the, the sirens in the background were were. Were, were taking place. Uh, you'll, you'll you'll hear us talk about an infamous shoot that Scott Steiner had uh, had delivered to one Ric Flair on an episode of Monday Nitro. Uh, Larry Zabisco on that date in February 7th winning the AWA title from Tom Zink in a battle royal. That should be interesting to discuss. Wow. Money Incorporated defeating the Legion of Doom to win the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles and so much more on marking out the days for February 7th. So be at the bus stop with your Sharpie, ready to cross off february 7th on your calendar and hop on aboard the magic school bus of professional wrestling podcasts that is marking out the
1: days oh yeah um and dave you want to plug every, anywhere we can find you on kicking out at two and then i'll wrap up yeah like i said you
0: can you can, you can you can download the latest edition of Kicking Out of 2, the Raw Bowl watch-along from January 1st, 1996. Kobe and I sit down, and we watch that episode of Monday Night Raw, and we, uh, we we have a little fun with the football-themed edition of Monday Night Raw as we get you set for the Super Bowl this coming weekend with the Patriots and the Rams. And next week, on February the 6th, over at SoundCloud.com, Kicking Out of 2 will bring to you WrestleMania Game Changers, where we sit down and discuss some storylines in WrestleMania History that 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 altered the state of the the landscape of the WrestleMania storylines. Uh, I was pretty redundant there. I should, I should, <laughs> I, I should say um, it, the cosmic shift, if you will. That's the fourth <laughs> time I've said it on the show. The cosmic shift, number five, in WrestleMania storylines, whether that took place in front of the camera or behind the scenes, we discussed some storylines such as the, the the infamous twin referees uh, screwing Hulk Hogan out of the WWF title, or Daniel Bryan and his march to WrestleMania 30 with the Yes Movement. We'll discuss how that altered the card for WrestleMania that year, and so much more. On kicking out at two next week.
1: Awesome, and you can find mania's Dead episode thirteen on Retromania, as well as I'll be dropping some more Gaijin Wrestling Radio covering ROH, Ring of Honor, G1 Supercard, Road to Supercard, as well as Road to New Beginning from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then we'll be talking Takeover Phoenix. What a great show it was! Um, all that and more. Next week on Retromania, you can find us on Facebook by searching Retromania with a W, on the Twitter by searching Retromania Pod, and you can write to us retromaniapodcast at gmail And as always, we'll be marking out the days every Thursday. Me and Dave over here. Um, check us out. Thanks for joining us this week, Dave. As always, I had fun. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and happy Royal Rumble Day to you.
0: Thank you very much, my friend. And we will see you next week.